So like a 2,000 years of social distance, the people just came uh, <laughs> okay, six feet away, always on the boat to you. See, Katie, nice to see you. Welcome to the Asian American Forward Podcast. Um, I'm really excited to be here this week. And Don is looking super serious with his glasses because today we're doing uh, something a little bit different, which is we're gonna be um, debating uh, how various countries had their approach to COVID. And I'm excited um, to talk through those with you. And I can tell that Don has done lots of research with all of the printed paper he was showing me before this. So Don, uh, good to talk to you again this week. Yeah, Katie, nice to see you again. And uh, nice to meet with all the audience and uh, uh, the people who listen to us. And uh, it's honestly, so that I'm old, so it's that I have to have a glasses to read some papers. Otherwise, it's, I'm going to stuck there to try to looking for something. So it's the kind of a, looks like a intellectual, old intellectuals, right? I like them. I like them. They make you look like a professor. <laughs> That's my dream, but I never can teach people. Well, you've taught me a lot. And so I'm excited to hear also um, your approach. You picked four countries and I picked four countries that we wanted to talk about their approach to COVID. Um, and we're kind of just going to do head to head matchups. And maybe then at the end, we can pick one overall winner if we're feeling up for uh, sure. having controversial opinions on the internet. Um, but what will also be fun is we've saved the ultimate superpower matchup for last, which is the US versus China. And we've switched. I will be <laughs> advocating uh, China's case this week and you will be advocating for the US. So I'm excited to see also how that part of the conversation goes. Okay, good. All right, so should, we'll get right into it. Um, but I do, I do also wanna say a few things as the kind of pseudo moderator of this conversation. I, I, I hope that we can talk a little bit about not only how each country is doing on keeping infection rates low and death rates low, um, but also maybe a little bit, if we've done the research on this, about um, how they've uh, dealt with the negative economic effects of the virus. Um, and also, if you have any tidbits on vaccination, a, a couple of the countries that I chose, I selected, or at least one of them, um, I selected specifically because I think that they are an interesting case study in vaccine rollout. Um, so that should be very fun. Um, but we can just go ahead and jump right in with our first round, um, which is New Zealand versus Taiwan. I will be taking New Zealand's case and you will be taking Taiwan's case. And I will let you go first uh, since I've already talked a lot this episode. So convince me, why did Taiwan handle the pandemic better than New Zealand? You, I think it's the first one in the debate base every first one takes some advantage and some disadvantage. You have a chance to rebuttal me. But uh, uh, if I opening the, the Taiwanese, there's not many chance for you to talk about it anymore because the Taiwan is definitely in my mind is a winner in this uh, pandemic, uh, the, the uh, measurement and uh, basically it's uh, fundamentally until today, uh, Taiwanese, both from a government to the individual, they combine the, the political system power 
and also individual habit. So it's the entire country, it's very, very safe. Of course, the number show the country, they only have a couple hundred people got infected and they start from very, very early to take a preventive measure to fight against the pandemic. So that's the, the winning strategy. At the beginning, they just uh, have uh, the border control very recently. They just uh, search all the, the people's temperature and the quarantine, everyone coming to Taiwan. And then it's the, when the pandemic is spreading worldwide, they shut down the entire country. And to make sure it's Taiwanese go back home, they have to quarantine 14 days in the hotel or designated place. But they got a food free, they got everything free. So that's kind of a, a little bit different than other countries. So mm -hmm. Taiwan has a control, this is very good. And also it's a Taiwanese government from very beginning. Mandatory is that everyone in the public place, you have to wear face mask. So that's the stop, a lot of spreading. There's no anti-face mask, the, the right. voice at all. Everyone is just to say, oh, that's the, take a granted. I have to have a face mask. There's no fight and no protest. So, and also the, the more important things is that they don't focus on the hospital. They just focus on where the first case coming from or where they found the case. Mm. So, isolated that area and then it's the block the, the traffic or it's a block that's territory so like really small local yeah. lockdowns based on like this apartment building has a case yes. so no one in this like three mile radius can go anywhere like that kind of thing yeah and the the the, the beauty of a Taiwan uh Taiwanese to against the pandemic they don't shut down economy at all so most people they can go anywhere they want but just the uh, restriction of a mass gathering. So the school, maybe they temporarily shut down and uh, the, the party, they shut down. Uh, they, they restrict the 100 people in, indoor, 500 outdoor, all those, they start very, very early. So they try to control the, uh, the person. They have uh, the barcode on everyone's uh, the cell phone. So mm -hmm. if, uh, if they have some trouble, they immediately know where this guy come go to. Uh, went to and then to to trace people everywhere, but that you don't need you don't need to tell the who you are, but the the, the signal is going to show. I still where, don't like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe you don't like it, but that's the very very uh, without the invasion of a privacy. They because show, all the data is anonymized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the most. Uh, Western countries, they say this is going to image, image of a personal privacy, but mm -hmm. if you don't identify who you are, they just show on this particular area that have a three cases and the people try to avoid the go that particular area. That's the, 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 the uh, why Taiwan has been becoming, at least in my mind, is a model country or areas the, to prevent the uh, spreading the disease. They put everything in order. So it's a hospital, there's not many cases. So it's mm -hmm. a, there's no structure on the supplies. And uh, 
I think that's the at least the, I wrote among the, all the country, Taiwan is a, almost number one. That's well, my yeah. <laughs> we have a strong matchup um, because <laughs> I I picked New Zealand specifically because in the summer they had um, like at one point zero COVID cases completely none. They have ticked back up a little bit. I was like Googling before this trying to find. And I think currently they have, they have had no new cases for the last seven days, but there is a small lockdown in Auckland, which is the capital of New Zealand. But New Zealand is also unique on the world stage um, for a couple of reasons that I wanted to bring up. Um, one is that a lot has been, a lot of you know, a lot of uh, pontificating has been done on the fact that New Zealand has a female prime minister, um, as does do some other kind of successful COVID handling countries or relatively successful, I would say. Um, so Jacinda Ardern um, came out in early, mid-March, mid about when everyone was having, was, or about when the West was starting to see COVID cases. And, uh, decided to go for a straight elimination, quote, go early, go hard, COVID cases, COVID um, policy. And so there was like extremely harsh lockdown, um, physical distancing measures, closing schools. Most other countries at this time were just trying to mitigate the spread of COVID, like just slow it down as much as we can. Um, but like New Zealand decided to go straight for elimination. And it did seem actually to work fairly well for them. Um, there were big uh, economic consequences that'll be really hard to estimate. Um, likely disadvantaged populations will also suffer more. Um, but because they went for a straight elimination policy, they were able to like reopen domestic like economic activity a little bit more quickly than the US, which has still seen a lot of like open, closed, open, closed. I think that's also like very much the case in the UK as well, which yeah. we will talk about later. Um, so I, I have to say that I think New Zealand does really, really well. I don't know that much about how well they have done, I, like I don't know that much about like how they've done contact tracing. It would have been really interesting to compare Taiwan and New Zealand's approach on like the privacy issue. Um, but I don't know anything about it. I think it'd be really hard to pick a winner. Do you know anything about vaccination in Taiwan? We should say that before we close this one up. Uh, not yet. It's just, uh, I think it's the vaccine in Taiwan and New Zealand, I think it's uh, pretty slow. And because their, their infection rate is very low. So at the long end, mm. they control the border without the new, the source coming in, it should be okay. They can delay. And because the drug, is the uh, vaccine is not invented from Taiwan or New Zealand. So it's the, they have to buy from here or German or Israel. So that's kind of a thing that probably slow down. The thing is that we have to remind the people if we do the comparison between the two people, two countries, the fundamental is they have a population density. Taiwan is a really, really population density. If you can control that part, I think it's compared with uh, the, the less densities in New Zealand, I think it's uh, Taiwan is a winner. 
I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Fine. I'm going to give next one to you, okay? I don't know. Okay, because round two is India versus Japan. I will be taking India. You'll be taking Japan. And I will go first this time since you went first last time. So India was really interesting because I didn't, I haven't been following the news out of India very closely throughout the pandemic. And so I was just personally curious to see like how they would have gone. And I, based on the the population density factor, like India being one of the most populous countries in the world and like huge urban centers um, like New Delhi, I assumed that the the coronavirus would be really bad there, but they have actually done surprisingly well, according to a lot of the the research that I was reading. So a country of nearly 1.4 billion people, less than 7,500 coronavirus cases per million. I think the numbers that I found were as of February, so it might be a little bit old. the fatality rate is just below 1.5%, so pretty low. And per capita infections and mortality rate as of December 2020 were among the lowest in the entire world. What can be attributed to this factor? Uh, the age distribution of the population. India is a really young country. So even though COVID uh, was spreading fairly quickly in India, uh, there were you know, fewer severe cases because you didn't have as many of those like people, you know, 50 and over that were more vulnerable um, to the pandemic. There is some concern so far about how systems will develop for vaccination, but all things considered, India has actually done really well. Um, There has also been fairly low testing rates and migrant workers would spread the disease across the country. So like in the cities where you have better healthcare and hospitals, um, you know, things could roughly be handled, but you have someone who's working in a city and then like contracts the virus and brings it home to their rural village that there is an easily accessible medical care. And likely a lot of that will go uncounted. But on the whole, I was really surprised with what I found um, when I did research into India. So I don't know that I'll advocate that they win this round, but I do have to say surprising success story. And I wouldn't have thought about the like demographic aspect of their success handling the pandemic. I'm going to challenge you just one question for the yeah. Indian because the Indian the statistics is really, really messy. So it's a, no matter it's a how glory or looming the, the picture, rosy picture you draw, and I don't believe uh, uh, Indians' number reflect the reality. That's the, the one of my concern. But of course, from other side, I think it's the uh, Indian more have uh, some kind of, because their medical or health condition, it's really not very good compared with the Western country. So even you got infected and the Indian, the, the people, farmers, all the workers, they just suffering whatever the, the coughing, favor they just uh, survive as long as they can they can stay stay at home or anywhere it's the probably it's a, like a kind of a horrible emotion so it's a, everyone got it in fact and then it's the the disease the severity of a death rate is now show up always the death rate didn't uh, uh, report by national statistic that's the my concern from your report and if it turn to the Japan, I think it's a, 
Japan similar like uh, uh, Taiwan because these two parts they have a very very similar culture, and uh, they think of personal sanitary the, the the protection as a habit, so that they take a face mask everywhere. Even has no pandemic, they still have a wear the, the face mask mask in the public place. And you know the Japanese they never hug you, they never shake hand with you. So like a 2000 years of social distance, the people just keep uh, <laughs> okay, six feet away, always and the bow to you, say, Katie, nice to see you. Thank you very much. So no physical contact. If yeah. no physical contact, and you know the Japanese people, they never talk in public place. So when people are talking and the, 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 the disease is going to spreading in the, air, right? But the people in the subway, you never see anyone talk. They don't talk on the phone. Everyone just play games. That is so eerie. You're just riding the train and it's completely silent. Yeah, yeah. I could get so much reading done. I need to move to Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the kind of thing. You know, it's at the very beginning because the Japanese uh, uh, is an aging country, Mm -hmm. a lot of seniors. So if anything happened, it's going to be spreading among the, the elder seniors. It's the death rate is going to be very high. But the, since Japan has been back and forth several times, but the later they, they find that has to start it from each individual. So they don't go national mandatory everyone, just everyone become a habit of self-protection. And when they do very, very strong restricted self-protection. The other people got protected. So there's no young people go to the bar anywhere. They just uh, try to prevent all the disease from spreading. That's the Japanese, the, the measurement. The government didn't do too much, but uh, uh, the, all the money, resource they put into the hospital, try to save the people. And then on the preventive side, each individual Japanese the, uh, citizen, they do their own job. That's the, the beauty of a Japanese and the Taiwanese, they both do a very good job. Compare with the Indian, and uh, if you strong think that Indian is better than Japan, it's okay. But uh, I just doubt the, the truthfulness of the number you quote. <laughs> I think you might have to win two in a row. <laughs> but we could say it's down to our country selection. Yeah. But I think I think that I might actually have a chance in this next round. Oh my god. So, it's I... your turn to go first again. <laughs> okay. And our countries are we're we're going to Europe now. Yeah. I will be taking Germany. Uh for my favorite Angela Merkel, and you will be covering Italy. So give me the case on okay. Italy. You are intentionally pick a winner already. That's the, the moderator is not fair. You are either judge and either player. <laughs> Italians are almost, uh, I cannot say 100% loser, but uh, at least the almost for the whole year, Italians has been back and forth. They have uh, no clue how to prevent the public uh, the disaster or pandemic happened. So it's at the very beginning, they said that we are going to have a, the, the whole country herd immunization. And then it's just open everywhere. And then it's like have a party bar everywhere open and just let people 
spreading the disease everywhere. And then the, the hospital become so congested and a lot of our seniors died. And mm -hmm. when public bounce back says uh, we don't want to deal with uh, coronavirus this way, so it's a government that just shut down, immediately shut down, and completely no one can walk on the street for two weeks. And everywhere is you go, it's all empty. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a extremely the close up solve temporarily the, the problem and. Uh, the government think, oh, it's good. It's open the school, open everywhere. And then the second round coming back. But mm -hmm. second round, there's a naturally, it's a pandemic, second round, the COVID, the, the death rate is uh, the strength of the uh, disease is a dramatic drop. So second round coming back, people get to the, get sick, but the death rate is uh, become very low. And uh, at this moment, I think Italians, uh, it's almost completely reopened and there's uh, nothing happened. Pretty pretty good result after one year's struggle. That's the Italian. So why is it why is it fine now if everything is open? Is it just that there's they've achieved herd immunity at this point or yeah, there's the the either we cannot see the herd immunity. It's just a very, very strong uh, adjustment that go to from a one extreme go to the other extreme. And they think it's a completely shut down all the business, all the public place, not even grocery store. They shut down everything. You mm -hmm. have to stay home, cook by yourself, no contact to anyone for two weeks. So entire country, it's just a very, very quiet. And that's the stop, the spreading of the disease. At this moment, there's a, I think a, a Italian becoming much, much safer on the call. Hmm. Okay. Well, I will say that I have a slight unfair advantage because Italy was one of the first places in Europe to have a big outbreak. So um, I think this is particularly helpful in Germany's case because they were watching the outbreaks in like Northern Italy, particularly, yeah. and kind of preparing themselves for um, COVID to arrive in Germany. Um, I will say though, they they get points for a lot of really interesting things. I found an article that kind of broke their approach down into three bullet points that I think really concisely explain why Germany is the clear winner in this case. Yeah. They got, they kept the death rate low by keeping, getting the virus early and catching it like heavy testing um, and uh, quick treatment of people. So they were be doing some of the most robust testing as like Europe and the US we're, we're seeing COVID for the first time while we were still all walking around not knowing that people were carrying the coronavirus. Um, Germany was already testing and taking people to the hospital even before they developed severe symptoms. And as a result of this and their really robust healthcare system, they were able to learn how to treat COVID, I think a lot more quickly um, than places in the US like New York, which just got absolutely overwhelmed with severe cases before we really even knew anything about the disease. Um, which is another big difference between like outbreaks now versus outbreaks back in March um, of 2020, which is that in March of 2020, we didn't know anything about this disease. And now we have a whole like year's worth of experience under our belt. Um, so like, I remember for a little while, I was sanitizing my groceries from the grocery store and like 
washing all of them. And we now know that that's like completely unnecessary. <laughs> um, so Germany, um, their coronavirus management is really down to being like agile. And another really interesting note, um, and this is kind of a contrast that I'll bring up with the US, even though we're not technically talking about the US right now, which is that um, Germany uh, had is, is a federal, also has a federal system. So like they have 16 states, similar to the US's 50 states. And underneath of those 16 states, they have 400 like smaller local health departments that were each running their own COVID response. Now that did sometimes create like confusing contradictions between different localities, but the, the result, this may have been a reason that Germany fared better than other like centralized health systems like the UK, Spain, or France, because they were able to manage a quickly changing situation on the ground. And I think agility and flexibility is really something um, that I would uh, commend the German response to. And that is why I suggest that it's the winner in this round, but you deserve a vote too. I'm a reason white flag. Okay. To the I yield the German as the winner because it's too obviously if I argue with the, the Italian as the winner, it's going to against my consensus. The Italians are just the suffering the first European country got the coronavirus and the so many deaths there. You can the, see that the media there's a report the Italians the on the hospital, on the street, everywhere is a death toll there. So I cannot argue about it. The Germans take advantage. They learn the lessons of Italian, how they treat the coronavirus, how they the, the manage the hospital, and how to arrange the resource allocate. And also the the you just mentioned German the uh, state distribution and the control. Similar like uh, Italian. Italians uh, have a similar level, it's the uh, county levels, but that's the very, very culturally difference on the each part. So the policy completely different, just like the United States. If you are in the blue state or you're in the right state, the, the, the policy is totally different. That's going to cause the immigration, the, the travel, going to cause a lot of trouble. German is different. They have a, adopted almost identical centralized measurement to control the, the COVID. So that's the, I agree, you are the winner. All right, well, this round I think is gonna be a lot more of a toss up, which is we have Israel versus England. And I will state my case on Israel first, which I, as I mentioned, I did wanna talk a little bit about how countries are handling vaccination. And that was my reason for putting Israel on this list because I wanted to talk about their vaccination um, system. They have uh, vaccinated 80% of citizens age 80 and older. So that's like a hugely successful rate compared to the US. Now, that's the top line success story that I want to tell about Israel's COVID response. But I have to also admit to you that only 24% of Israelis approve of how the government has handled the pandemic. They have the world's third worst infection rate. Uh, and a, uh, a pre the president of the Israel Democracy Institute said that many Israelis feel that the management of the crisis has been very much affected by 
uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's own political ambitions. Um, so he has been accused of corruption in the past and they have an election coming up in March. And so he's facing trial charges um, about uh, corruption charges, a challenger from within his own party and the pandemic. Um, and so that has kind of left a rotten taste in a lot of Israelis' mouth. So my, my bottom line is just to say that despite the really successful vaccination campaign, um, since January, Israel has seen 1,433 deaths, which is a third of the like 5,000 roughly total um, fatalities they've had since the beginning of the pandemic. So they had a, a really strict and long national lockdown lasting about four months. Um, and in December, they uh, entered a third lockdown, which was supposed to last for only two weeks, but is still um, running. Uh, so despite the vaccination rollout, uh, things are perhaps not going very well in Israel. And so I also think that's um, the, the what's interesting about considering this as a uh, case study is just to say that um, this is such a multifaceted crisis that you can be doing really well at one thing, which is vaccinations, and really badly at actually fighting the pandemic. Um, so I will close up there and give you the chance to convince me why England is the winner in this matchup. This is like a debate is the for the Israel. I do have a got a lot of phone call from Israel. My friend there, they just complained the house suffering the the quarantine. Oh, where do they live? Yeah, they. Oh, what's the what's the the city next to the ocean? The, Tel Aviv. Yeah, Tel Aviv. Yeah, she live in Tel Aviv, and she always complains. She, Don, I just thought I'd marry that you have still have a freedom to travel everywhere. I saw you on the Facebook, on social media, you go everywhere. I can only stay in the tiny place every day, cannot go out even shopping. They have to order, ask them to deliver at the door. So never can come out of their apartment. That's the, their tragedy. I think it's a for back to the, the country of my side, England. Mm. I don't think England can be the winner and uh, because England, the, the government from a prime minister to all the way to the secretary of a health department, they don't have a kind of a lack of a knowledge and a lack of experience how to handle the crisis. You see the all the uh, England, the death rate it's consistent, never done. It's keep up, 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 never hmm. But their policy is the up and down, up and down, open, close, open, close, all the way there. So I didn't say I want to defend uh, England policy and also uh, because uh, England always uh, has a vote to uh, out from uh, the European countries, right? EU system. Right, they just Brexit. left the EU, yeah. Yeah, yeah they left the EU. The Brexit is uh, make uh, England uh, couldn't get any supply because he has to uh, buy everything by himself and nobody gave to him. So that's the, the trouble from uh, testing and uh, 
from uh, vaccine, everything is a supply. They got a big trouble at this moment. So, but uh, I don't see any uh, better place than Israel. Israel is, uh, from my side, there's a country is uh, very small and their policy is uh, quite consistent. The mm -hmm. only thing that people suffering a lot of uh, military <laughs> the control, those kind of a type of the loss of freedom of the, the or lost their individual freedom. But uh, from England, I see that the, their political uh, leadership or politicians is really, really lousy. There's no visionary leader and all, always uh, say big mouth. They promise more, but they deliver very less. They said, we're going to uh, testing 1 million people and then maybe less than 10,000 they can test it. They are going to vaccine Hundred thousand people, they can only vaccine like a uh, five thousand people. Those kind of things, is, uh, I think, is uh, uh, England is uh, among the whole world. I think it's probably is a pretty low. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you, you were talking about your friend in Tel Aviv, who's like, oh, I've been locked down for so long, but she's at least not having sort of the like lockdown whiplash yeah. that you have in the UK, which has more like regional lockdowns. My roommate's parents live in Wales actually. And so I'm always asking, like every time I see her on the phone with them, I'm like, are they on lockdown this week? Or was that last week? <laughs> wow. So um, exciting that I get two wins in a row. But we finally arrived at the moment that everyone came for, which is the ultimate superpower smackdown, China versus the US, who did COVID better? Um, and I went first last time, which means it's your turn to convince me that the US handled COVID better than China. So I'm excited to hear what you have up your sleeve. Okay, and uh, I intentionally pick a American as uh, my winning side against the country I came from. So it's the, from my perspective, I probably got uh, too many negative uh, uh, information from mainland China there, how they deal with uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. But for this country, uh, I pretty strongly believe this country uh, combined the uh, innovation and the government the power and also have a freedom and the open-minded the, the policy. We adjust ourselves fairly quickly. So it's the, whenever they have a urgency or, or the terrible situ, situation happen, federal power always can play in. So if you remember it's that we send the military, the, the, the uh, warship, to San Diego, to New York, to help people there. That's the initial response. Even at the very beginning, U.S. handled the pandemic is terrible because the, our leadership at that time just say that there's a big flu. But when things turned around and each day, they handled the coronavirus a little bit different, but in general, the communication and the information it's uh, spreading pretty fairly and uh, easily. And uh, I think it's uh, especially and in, in the last uh, three months, the people can feel some confidence to our medical uh, cooperation. They do the innovation, the, the research on the 
the vaccine and uh, also you see the vaccine distribution now it's a very very in order from a senior uh, the the essential worker to the regular people it's we see the light at the end of a tunnel already so it's the overall this country everyone pretty calm and confident to the system they don't suffer too much the, the mental disorder even some people but uh, overall the entire country i think at this moment is a pretty stable and uh, calm that's the my judgment to this country and also i think it's a we kind of reach some balance between individual freedom privacy and uh, uh, public health the, uh, mm. the crisis uh, prevention that it's pretty easy the only things that i admitted country is a we most uh, based on the case uh, strategy instead of a population strategy that means that we respond at the initial to the uh, to disease instead of we do prevention so you see, you remember at the beginning that if anyone have a face mask in the supermarket or grocery store the people are going to see this is a sick people and now it's the people just uh, gradually adopt this population approach instead of a case approach case approach is uh, we found someone got sick and we immediately put all the medical resource to help this guy but that one is too late when you do the case it's actually it's a 10 case 100 case outside already Mm -hmm. But if, if you do the population prevention or population strategy, it's going to slow down all the uh, flight the curve of the disease. That's the things the American can adjust himself very quickly. And uh, innovation and the policy FDA released uh, give the right uh, green light to all the research, medical testing very quickly. And we trust our scientists and medical research. That's very, very important. Thank you. <laughs> You're dead. Um, well argued. I like it. Um, so I think we have to, when we're talking about China's handling of the pandemic, we have to go back to the very beginning and yep. discuss the timeline. Because this, of course, is where it all started. Um, the timeline that I was able to find, which was as of September of 2020, so maybe a little out of date, um, one of the earliest known infections was found on December 10th, 2019 in China. On December 16th, he the, the patient was admitted to Wuhan Central Hospital, um, and staff later learned that he had worked in a wildlife market that was connected to the outbreak. Now, between the 16th and the 27th, cases like started really quickly ticking up. Um, and a study in the New England Journal of Medicine revealed that the first 425 patients in Wuhan became sick between December 10th and January 4th, experienced really delayed entry into the hospital. So we know that in mid-December already, cases were passing from person to person in Wuhan um, and started doubling every seven days into early January. So like from January 11th to January, January 17th, uh, cases doubled. And as early as December 30th uh, in the hospital, patient uh, uh, physicians who were treating COVID were either censured or arrested 
um, for treating the disease in the hospital. Now, in between that time, in between the end of January or the end of December of 2019 and the beginning of January, um, China began suppressing uh, like news of the outbreak in Wuhan, both like locally and at the national level. Um, and on January 2nd, no, this is January 14th, the World Health Organization tweeted that Chinese authority had, quote, seen no clear evidence of human to human transmission of the novel coronavirus. Now, um, like I said earlier, we know at this point that there was human to human transmission as early as mid-December 2019. So a month in, they were saying there's no human to human transmission of this virus. Despite that sort of like a little bit of a late start in handling the pandemic, they've almost completely eliminated it now. And that was due to a, a super, super dr draconian lockdown, kind of like what you were talking about in Taiwan. Um, largely localized to Wuhan, the city, and Hubei province. I, there may have been a few other lockdowns that I'm, I'm unsure of because I'm not very familiar with Chinese geography, um, but that's the main epicenter of the virus. And um, the, uh, a modeling study that I found calculated that the, the lockdown may have prevented 1.4 million infections and 56,000 deaths. So although you had this kind of slow lockdown, their commitment to harsh lockdown and in um, implementing intense measures, like no one can leave the house, you get food delivered, you don't go out, um, kind of saw the, the virus slowing down by a lot. Now it wasn't able to prevent obviously the virus from spending, spreading to the rest of the world, but China has largely handled the virus for itself more so than I think any other country in the world. And that is why I submit to you China <laughs> as the winner. <laughs> but yeah, we, should, okay. we should also honestly say, who do you actually think handled it better outside yeah, the purposes of our fake argument? Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, China handled the uh, coronavirus uh, after they found something wrong and uh, they have to acknowledge there's a uh, uh, human to human transition of a disease and uh, the, they use a military force and uh, like a dictator that the system to control the, the people uh, immigrant from one city, even from a different village, the complete shutdown. That's really, really play very important role to prevent this huge country to spreading the disease. And mm -hmm. in, in terms of the numbers, how many people died and how many people infected, I think it's China has a win the case. The problem is the, the price China paid economically, it's much, much higher. And the social impact is much, much higher the United States. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I personally think it's a, although it's a, in US we have a shutdown, we have some suffering that the economic, the, the jobless, but the, in this country, at least the, you got a thousand dollars, you got a $600, you got a $40,000 for everyone. And also it's a, we have a, a that uh, if you lost job and a small business, they got a PPE, they got all kind of a government support. But in China, if your company shut down, if you got a disease, 
if you die, there's no government help at all. So it's a, you have to survive a pandemic totally by yourself. So for the quarantine, you have to buy the food, no matter how much they want to charge you, they deliver to your door in the hotel, you have to pay by yourself. The key is that at the very beginning and uh, Chinese government to punish the whistleblower, whistleblower, the, the Li Wenliang doctor, and finally he got a disease, he died. And yeah, several I remember other, that several other doctor. That's the cost me long time thinking is a when the political system and the public health uh, uh, emergency happen, how we treat the whistleblower and how we can do some uh, infrastructure to make sure the information flow and also public uh, awareness. Because uh, at the Chinese New Year uh, happened in the January 14 in last year, the people still travel everywhere. So that's the, the people they spreading the disease from Wuhan to everywhere after like a 5 million people out. And then they said that we're going to shut down. And the people go out, they cannot go back home. All the Wuhan people, if they are not in Wuhan, they have to stay in the hotel for three months. And that's the, you know, it's a, that's economic, it's a disaster. They have to pay the hotel food on the outside, they, they are home, they couldn't go back. Even, you know, they have a tree coming out from the people's bed. A tree? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a very funny that they live in the house and because it's the, uh, they have a seed. And oh, they the, planted a seed in their bed. Seed. Not, not in the bed, just from the ground. The, they oh. ground all the way coming out. Yeah. It's a, how bad it is when you go back to your home, say you are bad, is there have a tree coming out? <laughs> yeah, that's the, uh, if you combine these two countries, the, the uh, policy and how they handle it, I think it's uh, at this moment, most uh, Chinese, whether they trust their government to give their vaccine, or it's you compare with the United States, uh, how we trust our vaccine, I'm going to vote for United States. I'm going to trust uh, our vaccine much, much stronger than China do the R&D research to the mm -hmm. vaccine there. It's a, there have a lot of side impact effect in the vaccine there. And also it's a, I don't think they have enough vaccine to give people yet. Yeah, I think your point about openness of information is like really critical yeah. also especially with the vaccine question, it's, that's kind of how we had this like miraculous, like w absolute, I mean, it was called Operation Warp Speed, like the, yeah. the speed at which we saw two successful vaccines and there's now a third, right? There's the yeah. Pfizer, the Moderna and the Johnson & Johnson vaccines, all three coming out of the US um, that have some better and more open research behind them. Uh, I don't know if I would say that the US is the winner. But I'm going to kind of cheat and, and abdicate completely responsibility on this one because I think the, the time to see who won the COVID response between these kind of two very different systems, one kind of focused on the collective and the other with more concern for the individual is in like five or 10 years to see how our economies bounce back. And also I think COVID is going to be 
uh, it's going to be a pathogen that we're just living with for a while. It's going to be a part of flu season. It's going to be a part of our lives. And so it'll be interesting to see how uh, the U.S. and China kind of continue to live out of this experience, um, whether uh, we recover better because we, you know, more people were infected. It was a wider society thing or whether China's like elimination strategy really was the way to go. And I think we have talked long enough. I'll give you any last words that you want to share. I think it's a comparison the international or the country's difference, how they each country deal with the coronavirus. It's very interesting. And uh, even we debate, we don't agree with each other, but uh, overall it's that we know the entire human being is going to live with uh, COVID or similar disease for a long, long time. And also it's, uh, it's lucky in the, in the human history, we have a, like a, maybe five, six times, it's the worldwide the, the pandemic disease. But this time is going to set up some uh, real, really uh, protocol based on the technology. In the future, if a pandemic happened again, I think uh, uh, our human being going to have a much more ready infrastructure, how to deal with it, the politically, socially, medically, everything I think is a much, much better. Even we have a much uh, severe, severe disease coming out. I think it's the, uh, our entire human beings. Uh, um, and I think that's a great place to end. We'll wrap it up there for this week. Um, I enjoyed arguing with you, Don. Thanks for joining me again this week. Thank you. And my name is Katie Simpson. Our podcast is sponsored by Asian American Forward. You can visit our website at www.asianamericanforward.com if you enjoyed the show this week or have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode. Send us your comments at info at asianamericanforward.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook and hear more conversations between Don and I at our YouTube channel. We also do have a Twitter, so follow us there as well. If you're a fan of the show, leave us a review in the Apple Podcast store or tell someone about us. It really helps people find the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.